Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Guardians 6, the Athletics 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And we got a little bit of an interesting game yesterday because we were a national broadcast. We were on the Peacock streaming service owned by NBC. So we had a little bit of national flavor to the game yesterday. It was an 1130 game, something they're trying to do for uh, mix it up a little bit, reach a new audience, uh, have a little bit of fun. So a little bit of an early, a brunch, a Sunday brunch game. And uh, Francona said he liked it. Uh, They were doing the press conference at like 2.30. He was like, yeah, I could get used to this. Uh, I wonder if they mix things up with like a normal 12.30 start. Right? Like, did they change the menu in the clubhouse? Like, were they serving, like, pancakes and waffles and bacon instead of, you know, sandwich stuff? I hope I hope not. Like, if I were a player, right, I wouldn't want to be eating, like, that heavy breakfast food uh, before going out there and playing a game. So, I, you know, I'm curious how much they mixed up the schedule. Or did they literally take everything they would do for a 1230 or 1 o'clock game and just shift it ahead by an hour and a half? Uh, you know, it changes what time you get out of bed. Do you make an extra coffee run because you're up so early, right? Anytime my family has to get up early for something, right? An early flight, an early doctor's appointment. Somehow we have to squeeze in an extra special coffee run to make it work. Did, you know, did they have to do that yesterday to make the 1130 game work? Um, apparently Cal Quantrill had some stomach issues before the game, but got it together, uh, like to the point where Francona was literally stressing how many innings he could get out of his bullpen. But apparently Quantrill got it together and actually delivered another quality start from a Cleveland starter. Man, the starters seem to be doing this a lot lately, don't they? Seems like we have a pretty good starting staff. Six innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, two walks, four strikeouts, the one home run given up, yes, in the first inning, but he's only hard hit five times on 90 pitches. That is pretty good stuff from Cal Quantrill. On the other side, Cole Irvin battling him. He goes five and two-thirds, six hits, five runs, only four earned. Because in that first inning, the leadoff hitter gets on via error. Uh, A walk and three strikeouts on he's hard hit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times on 80 pitches. So not quite the quality start. Over there on the other side for the athletics pitcher who had ha- been having a pretty good season. You know, one of the things we got on the national broadcast, and I was actually surprised. I did not know this was happening. They took the color man from each team and brought them into the booth. So we had Rick Manning giving all the color on the Guardians. And they had, uh, wow, I'm totally blanking on his name. One of their for- former pitchers, Dallas Braden, giving the color on the athletics side. So it was kind of cool because you got way more detail on your opponent than you would normally get, uh, you know, in a normal broadcast. Plus, <laughs> I mean, Manning and Braden are two completely different generations. I mean, at one point, you know, baseball video games got brought up and uh, Manning was like, no, that's, that is not my wheelhouse. I am too old for that. Um, so it, you did get kind of two different perspectives from two different generations uh, not that Manning's call was out of touch or anything like that uh, it's just you know obviously he played in a much you know an older generation things were done a little bit differently back then um, so no it was a good thing it was a good thing to get that kind of color in the broadcast all right back to the game on the field 
Man, my top storyline in this one is the top of the order for the Guardians offense. When your top of the order has a day like this, I mean, you are just going to, when they're putting up crooked numbers like this, you are going to have a good day at the baseball stadium. Straw, two hits and two runs. Ahmed Rosario, two hit, three hits, two runs, two doubles, and an RBI. Ramirez, a hit, a double, a run, and three RBIs. That's just, that's good stuff from your top three hitters right there. And they were getting it done all day. They were involved in all three rallies, all three innings where we scored runs had to do with the top of the order. So let's get into it. Yes, they do get a leadoff home run from Ramon Laureano. Not a leadoff home run, a first inning home run from Laureano. So we once again, four games in a row against the Athletics, we find ourselves trailing uh, to start the game. Right Early in the game, we find ourselves trailing. But they didn't waste any time in this one. Straw gets one through the middle that kind of tipped off the pitcher's glove and then gets past uh, Elvis Andrews. They gave Andrews an error on it. Either way, Straw's kicking off the game by being on base. I know that Straw's actually been in a little bit of a slump. It's it's not been the best stretch. If you look at the... Uh, you know, the recent data, the last seven games, the last 15 games, uh, and even the last 30 games. I mean, he's only hitting 167 over his last 30 games, 170 over his last 15 games, 160 over his last seven games. And you know what? We don't worry about batting average as much as Miles Straw. We worry about on-base percentage, but even the on-base percentage, 260 over his last 30 games, 267 over his last 15 games, 222 over his last seven games. So, yeah... It has been a little bit of a struggle lately for Miles Straw, but he he comes up big in this one. Um, comes up big with the two hits, with the two runs scored, kind of being a bit of a spark plug at the top. Technically, with the error, he's on base three times uh, in this game. So that is big stuff for Miles Straw to get things started. Ahmed Rosario then would keep it rolling. He would deliver a double down into the corner um, to get things going, really going for this rally here in the first inning, and that would bring up Jose Ramirez. They had a base open, but they pitched to Jose Ramirez, and he makes them pay. He kind of throws them a hanging curveball. It speeds up Jose Ramirez's bat, and he absolutely rockets one down into the corner uh, for a two-RBI double to get things rolling. 105.9 mile-per-hour exit velocity into the corner for Jose Ramirez. Brings in those first two runs to score. And don't you just love that? When your star player shows up that big on national television, right? It's just a perfect moment for Jose Ramirez to come out of the gate swinging like that. It would be his only hit of the day. So not many fireworks from Jose Ramirez. But we'll take this from Jose Ramirez to kick off the game. I mean, how many times does Ramirez come up in that first inning with nobody on base, right? And it's just... It's a little bit of a buzzkill. He's hit a few solo home runs, actually, in the first inning. Um, it's a little bit of a buzzkill when nobody's on base in front of Jose Ramirez because he's leading Major League Baseball in RBIs. So it's great to see those guys start that game off, get on ahead of him, and let him do what he does best, drive in runs. Uh, after Gonzalez would ground out, Owen Miller would shoot a ground ball back up the middle. He'd get one through at 99 miles per hour and would bring in Jose Ramirez to make it 3 nothing to kick things off. Uh, after that, I got to give credit where credit is due because 
Irvin does settle down. He sets him down one, two, three in the second, in the third, and the fourth inning, and the fifth inning. So four, he sets him down. I mean, that's 12 in a row, 13 in a row. Basically, he retires in a row uh, before the sixth inning kicks off. And once again, we're back to the top of the lineup. This time, Miles Straw delivers a single, 100.5 mile per hour exit velocity. Once again, Ahmed Rosario coming up big. He shoots another double into the left field corner. This one at 99.1 miles per hour. And this time, Miles Straw comes all the way around from first to score. Speed at the top of the lineup can be so devastating uh, to an opponent, right? It can be so helpful as an offense. Taking that extra base, take it, it takes such pressure off the hitters, knowing that, you know, instead of two hits having to have Miles Straw come around to score, one hit from Ahmed Rosario right here is all you need to get Miles Straw all the way from first base around to score. That's such a difference maker for an offense. And we do have, I mean, really, Quan can run too. And Ramirez, we know, can fly. So that's the four guys that really hit at the top of our order that can all absolutely fly around the bases. Yes, things slow down once we get into the nailers, and Miller is not really known for his speed, and Gonzalez is, we're still learning what his speed is like. Um, and obviously, Fermil Reyes is not known for his speed. So it does slow down a little bit in the middle of the lineup. But the, the four guys that are in the mix of the first three spots really can change a game with their speed. And then Ahmed Rosario would do it here. Jose Ramirez would pop out. Gonzalez would strike out. And Naylor would be the one to deliver the single. He would just get one over Andrews' glove. I was surprised Naylor got this one, frankly. They were pounding him up and in all game. I mean, if we go over to the illustrator here and we take a look at the batters, which, you know, we most of the time we're looking at the pitchers. If we look at the batters... I mean, it's clear that the plan was to pound Naylor up and in with these uh, these sinkers, with these two-seam sinkers. A ton of them up and in. Then maybe get him to chase a curveball away. So he's got a whole grouping of curveballs down and away, and he's got a whole bunch of sinkers up and in. And one of them, he gets the bat on. He doesn't have to hit it uh, incredibly hard, but he just gets it over Andrews' glove out in the center field, and Ahmed Rosario is able to fly around the bases and come in to score. It's only 88.6 mile power exit velocity. Sometimes it's not about how hard you hit it. It's about where you hit it. Then in the seventh inning, they would rally again from the top of the lineup. This time, Austin Hedges in the nine hole. Hey, anything you get offensively from Austin Hedges right now, that's a bonus right there, right? He is there for his defense. He's there for the way he calls a game. Any offense you get, we'll take it. And he ends up rocketing a single, 105.9 mile per hour single. Uh, he looked felt like, yeah, he had two hard hit balls on the day. One goes for a base hit. Miles Straw follows that up with a single. Ahmed Rosario follows that up with a single. Unfortunately, you don't have Straw running in the lead anymore. You got Austin Hedges running in the lead. So that loads the bases up uh, for Jose Ramirez who gets the job done. You know, sometimes it ain't pretty. Being an RBI guy, sometimes it doesn't have to be pretty. He chops one to first base. They go to second for the force out of Rosario. Everybody else moves up a base. Hedges comes in to score. We put an insurance run on the board. So that was the Guardians offense. That was the top of your order, getting the job done, flying around the bases. Ahmed Rosario handling inside pitches. So both of his doubles come from pitches that were down and in on him. And that's not, 
it's interesting because pitches down and in in the strike zone is not really where Ahmed Rosario does most of his damage. The uh, the single that he has in the seventh inning was a 3-2 cutter right down the pipe. Uh, but the two doubles were both change-ups down and in that were in the strike zone. Now, it's interesting. If we go over to his visuals on StatCast, things off the plate down and in, he actually does pretty good against. I mean, his batting average on pitches off the plate down and in is 455. Uh, but his batting average in the strike zone down and in is only 182. Uh, his expected batting average, though, uh, looks a little better. But basically, he handles pitches. Obviously, the middle of the plate, you're going to have a decent expected batting average. But down and in is definitely a zone where Ahmed Rosario can handle pitches. So once again, we see a pitcher attacking a player in a zone that he can handle pitches in. He actually is pretty good in. Uh, so yeah, so that slugging percentage is definitely going to go up. He's slugging 727 from pitches down off the plate. Down and in to the right-handed hitter off the plate, he's slugging 727. Pitches in the zone, down and in, it's only 182. Very strange there uh, that off the plate, he's so much better than on the plate. Uh, If you want to get him to uh, swing and miss, if you want to get him to chase, uh, you definitely want to go, actually, away down and away is the spot to get him to chase 39% whiff rate down and away 24% K percentage down and away you can also bust him up and in 36% whiff percentage up and in 43% K percentage up and in so those are the two spots you can get him to whiff not down and in down and in is not the way to beat Ahmed Rosario so you know Ahmed Rosario is delivering lately. He's pretty hot right now. He's got that uh, batting average up to 260 uh, so far on the season. So that feels like it has climbed. The OPS is only 618. So, you know, shows you that uh, it's not exactly been perfect. But uh, it's been pretty good stuff from Ahmed Rosario uh, on the season. He's kind of getting things back where they belong. He's only hitting, it's a 294 on base, right? He only has 10 walks on the season. So you'd like that that on base to be a little bit higher from a guy hitting in the two hole, but he seems to be delivering lately. Uh, He seems to really be putting together a good stretch here, getting on base in front of Jose Ramirez. And uh, I don't know, again, the problem of what to do with Jose Ahmed Rosario. You know, there was a conversation I saw on Twitter where it was like, you know, when... By the way, Ahmed Rosario over his last seven games is hitting 414. Over his last 15 games, he's hitting 313. Over his last 30, it's 288. So, yeah, I'd say he's heating up. I would say he is definitely heating up. And those are all hits, by the way. He hasn't drawn no walks over his last seven games. Only one walk over his last 15 games. He's just hitting. Man is just hitting the ball. A conversation, again, about when Reyes comes back or when Nolan Jones is ready, like... Who the heck plays first base, right field, DH? Like, how do you, Owen Miller, how do you get everybody at bats? And the answer is, you don't. You don't. Literally, every time you try to add somebody in, you're displacing somebody else. You know, Jimenez at second base keeps Owen Miller at first base. But if you move Jimenez to shortstop, where do you play Ahmed Rosario? It, it is a real problem that we, we've known has been coming. We've known this problem is coming. We knew there was going to be a log jam every, everywhere. 
The right field, first base, DH conversation. The second base, shortstop, left field conversation. But the only place there isn't a log jam is third base and center field because that's Straw and Ramirez. But everywhere else in the diamond, yeah, there are going to be real decisions coming down very soon. Uh, as guys get healthy, Nolan Jones is killing it right now. He changed his swing down in Columbus. He's got a quicker swing, more bat-to-ball skills, uh, and it's it's working. It's actually working down there. He is crushing the ball down there. So Nolan Jones is going to be making a real push to finally make his Major League debut. But Oscar Gonzalez is doing great. There was another conversation about Oscar Gonzalez and his, you know, his bat bip, and it's it's going to regress, and it just... The fan in me wants to be like, yeah, enjoy it. Just enjoy it. I hope the guy has a 500 batting average and a 500 bat bit. Like, let's, you know, as the fan in me wants him to be the greatest hitter of all time. We got lucky. We've had it before with Manny Ramirez and Jim Tomey and Albert Bell. You know, and we've gotten lucky to see some of the best hitters of their generation. Kenny Lofton, too. Um, and we've gotten lucky to see some of the best defenders of their generation in uh, Omar Vizquel and Roberto Alomar and Sandy Alomar and uh, Grady Sizemore in the 2000s. Like, yeah, we, we've seen some guys that just come up and are amazing. And the fan in me wants Oscar Gonzalez to be that. Will he, the rational person in me, knows he won't, though. But I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not going to let the rational me ruin the ex- enjoyment of the fun me, right? The fan in me. The rational me can worry about Batbit, but the fan in me is going to enjoy the game and enjoy every time Oscar Gonzalez smashes one into the corner. Every time that SpongeBob song comes on, which is silly and fun, and I'm here for it. Um, so, yeah, so as fans, like we can have the conversations. Yeah, he's going to regress, but every rookie we were seeing with Quan goes through peaks and valleys. The league will adjust. Will he adjust back? It's a chess match. But you got to let it play out. There's no reason in stressing about it. Just let it play out. Let it happen. We don't have to make the decisions. I'm sure Antonetti and Chernoff are churning through data, getting prepared for the next set of decisions they have to make. But it's our job to enjoy him, to appreciate him, and to enjoy him. So appreciate what he's doing. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Appreciate what he's doing. All right, uh, that's my mini rant about Guardians Twitter and uh, fandom. And I mean, you see it, you see it with fandoms all over the place. I mean, even the Star Wars fans can't even, they stress about what's going to happen with their franchise. And, you know, the, the Jurassic World fans, we got a bunch of commercials for Jurassic, the Jurassic World movie coming out. And the Jurassic Park fans are stressing about what's going to happen with their franchise. So it happens in all fandoms uh, to worry about the future, but enjoy the moment as well. All right, so that was the Guardians offense. I, that's a pretty good day. Three innings there where you're putting up runs, a bunch of crooked numbers. You jump on uh, Oakland, and you get out to a 6-1 lead, and then the bullpen can go to work. Uh, unfortunately, not all of the bullpen had their best day. We'll get into that in a second, because let's talk about Cal Quantrill. Uh, this guy comes up with a plan. Uh, we go back to the illustrator here, and we flip back over to the pitcher's. Uh, clearly the plan is to attack that arm side of the, uh, of the strike zone for Cal Quantrill, the righty, the arm side, you know, our catcher's view here, that'd be the left edge of the plate, but he's throwing so many sinkers, so many of those two seamers there. The changeup is there. 
even pounding cutters there on that outside edge to some of the lefties. But then he could bring that cutter back across the zone for the righties and pound both sides of the plate with that cutter. So it was a really good job from Cal Quantrill in the day, sticking with his approach for those six innings. You know, he doesn't rack up huge strikeout numbers, only four strikeouts on the day, but he gets them uh, to induce some some pretty weak contact. It's interesting here. Um, the sinker does not have, the two-seamer does not have high CSW numbers, but it only has an 80.3 average exit velocity. The cutter is where the CSW numbers really pop. I'm surprised. 15 swings on the cutter, 7 whiffs. That's good for a 47% whiff rate. Add in 5 called strikes, it's a 35% CSW total on the day on 34 cutters. 39 sinkers, 34 cutters, 14 changeups, 2 curveballs, and a fastball. Uh, so yeah, they only put three of those cutters in play, and it's a 79 mile per hour average exit velocity. It's an 82.9 mile per hour average exit velocity on the two changeups they put in play. So yeah, I mean his total average exit velocity of the day was 81.1. That's good stuff. Cole Irvin's average exit velocity was 90.8. That's a big difference. That's a guy getting hit hard versus a guy not getting hit that hard. Um, so yeah, so that cutter was really effective for Cal Quantrill on the day. And once again, he's just a competitor out there. Uh, Bieber gave a cool interview. That's another thing about the national broadcast. You get that cool player interview uh, where you get some real detail uh, from Bieber. And he said that they trash talk each other a lot, but it's in the spirit of camaraderie and pushing each other. Uh, and it's actually a really like positive uh, thing for those starters out there that they push each other so hard. And Cal Quantrill is definitely a competitor out there on the mound. Bieber also threw in that he uh, he likes the new pitch technology where he you know the audio call of what pitch is coming and apparently these guys can program in things the different buttons so Hedges is programmed in himself shouting at the pitcher's encouragement uh, that he can program into one of the buttons that's fun that's a detail we didn't know that Hedges could just throw whatever sound effects or things he wants to throw in there it doesn't have to just be uh, the names of the pitches and the locations. So uh, that's interesting. So yeah, so uh, Quantrill, that's a really quality start right there. And that's a good pitch, that cutter. I mean, that's a pitch that he uh, he definitely has added to his repertoire um, of late. And clearly it's a pitch that's working for him. Uh, you know, the sinker might not be the most effective. He started throwing that cutter in 2021. Had not thrown it before. It was his second most pitch. And it is rivaling the sinker for his most often pitch on the season so far. He throws the sinker at 46.3% of the time. He throws the cutter at 39.4% of the time. So that cutter is getting up there. Um, Yeah, so it's interesting. None of his stuff really has elite movement or anything like that. Uh, It doesn't have elite speed. It doesn't have elite movement. I mean... Talk about cutters. I mean, you got Class A coming into this game throwing his 100-mile-per-hour cutters. Uh, Quantrill's is only at 87.7. So it's a much different pitch with a much different purpose. But, man, he's locating it really well on the edges. Uh, The run value right now for that cutter, surprisingly, is at zero. Even though that's his whiff pitch, and that's a good put-away pitch for him, the run value so far is at zero. The run value on the sinker is at minus four for the changeup is minus one. Now, last year, the run value on that cutter was minus 11. And looking at the data here, I'm not exactly sure 
what the difference is. I mean, the expected batting average on the cutter went from 247 last year to 259 this year. The expected slugging on that cutter went from 395. It's up to 451 this year. Um, the hard hit rate on the cutter is about the same. So I'm not sure what is causing the run value to be so much less this year than it was last year on the cutter. But still a very effective, effective pitch for Quantrill. Now, speaking of effective pitches, uh, we kept Brian Shaw coming in. He pitches a good seventh inning. Um, I think I think they were talking about it a little bit on the broadcast about how he's the workhorse, and Manning even said something to the effect of, sometimes he's going to get blown up, and the fans are very hard on him for it. But most of the time, he's going to come in and pitch a really competent inning, and that's what he does here. Pitches a solid seventh inning, gives up a hit, but does have a strikeout. Uh, no runs on the board. But Trevor Steffen comes in. Stefan is still trying to find it here. He's working with a five-run lead. Unfortunately, uh, his fastball betrayed him on the day. Uh, both home runs are hit off of his four-seam fastball. So they demolished that pitch. Meanwhile, the slider was very good. Three whiffs on five swings uh, and one called strike. It's a 50% CSW on the slider. Unfortunately, that slider can't do much when that four-seam fastball is getting absolutely pounded four home runs and the location on both of these home runs uh our locations yeah yeah gonna pay for a fastball uh they're kind of middle of the plate one is up uh the one to seth brown is up the first one hit by christian bethencourt is down and bethencourt had an amazing series give credit where credit is due that guy destroyed the baseball uh so bethencourt has a great series Brown gets a high fastball. He also had a, a huge power series. Uh, so both of those guys go back-to-back off of Trevor Steffen. It's not what you want to see. But there's still so much potential in Steffen. I'm not giving up on him. I'm not. He gives up two home runs here. It has been a struggle as of late for Trevor Steffen. But I'm not giving up on him yet. It's a three-run game. And Klasse comes in and absolutely shuts the door. He is filthy. He gets two strikeouts. Um, Pinder gets a hard hit ball off him. He gets a cutter down the middle that Pinder hits in the gap for a double, but it's okay. He survives it. It's a one out double. Uh, he gets, uh, Matt Davidson swinging on a slider down below his knees. And then he gets, uh, Tony Kemp to swing through a slider down in a way, uh, and absolutely dominates with that slider. You know, we talk about the cutter all the time, but they even said it on the broadcast. That cut that slider can be just as nasty sometimes. It's a, I mean, it's a 93 mile per hour slider, and uh, he's got an 80% whiff rate on that slider. Four whiffs on five swings on that slider, throw in a called strike. It's an 83% CSW on that slider. That also is a very elite pitch along with the cutter. So it's a good win for the Guardians. They do exactly what we said when the series started, exactly what we said. We said win three out of four is going to be a really solid series. We said that game against Montas was going to be tough. That's not the way I expected it to go, that Saturday night, Saturday afternoon game. But that is the one we end up losing. So it's exactly as we called it when this series started. So it's great stuff from the Guardians. They are now back over 500 before they have to go on this West Coast swing. There's still three games back of Minnesota, but Minnesota has played a ridiculous six more games than the Guardians because of so many rainouts that the Guardians have had to face. So we're tied in the loss column, but six back in the win column. So still a lot of work to go here. 
We're nipping on the heels of the wild card. Why does that matter? It's just good to know that you're a team in contention at this point in the season. Um, you know, we're in the conversation. That's what's cool. It's a bunch of young guys getting some of these guys getting their first taste in the majors, but they're in competition. They're staying competitive. And that's what we want from our baseball team. Stay competitive. Keep fighting out there. So they're definitely doing it. All right. We get the day off and then we're heading out to Colorado. Who knows what's going to happen up there in the Mile High City, right? We got some late night games going on this week up there in Colorado and then L.A., so, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we handle this West Coast swing. It's going to be a challenge. Hey, we got some more national broadcasts, so that's pretty cool. Friday and Saturday night against the Dodgers are both going to be different national broadcasts. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, we'll get our first taste of the Apple TV Plus streaming service broadcast on Friday night. Um, yeah, I think it's, this was a great homestand. We did what we were supposed to do. Remember, we struggled a little bit against Detroit to kind of kick off this stretch of games. Um, you know, we struggled against Detroit. We lost to Cincinnati. Uh, but we came back. We handled business against Kansas City. We handled business against Baltimore, Texas, and Oakland. So it's a good stretch of games. Now we get into a challenging stretch here to end the month. But I think this team's got some momentum that they can carry forward. So that's all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day, I'm giving it to Ahmed Rosario. Two doubles, two runs scored, three hits on the day, added an RBI for him. Uh, really the whole top of the order I could give it to, but I'm giving it to Ahmed Rosario for three big doubles on the, or two big doubles on the day, three big hits on the day. So great job from Ahmed Rosario in the two hole on this one. There is one more thing I want to talk about, speaking of Ahmed Rosario. Once again, against a left-handed hitter, Francona decides to bench Andres Jimenez. Now, there was a quote out there from one of the reporters that covers the team, and the quote was taken out of context a little bit. Um, Francona was talking about Jimenez and uh, that he could be better. But what Francona was really saying, and he uh, he sent out a follow-up tweet to kind of clear this up, uh, Francona was basically agreeing that he's been very good on the season and he thinks he could be even better. So it wasn't, it sounded like at first um, that it was kind of dogging on Andres Jimenez, but it was actually the opposite. It was Chris Ossenheimer uh, who sent this out. Uh, he was pra- he was actually, it sounded a little bit like he was dogging Jimenez. He was actually praising Jimenez, saying he's been good and can be even better, he thinks. He wants to let him play, but then he doesn't let him play against the left-handed pitchers when he's got amazing splits against lefties. Josh Naylor does not. The one lefty that gets to stay in the lineup is Josh Naylor, and he's got terrible splits against lefties. They were pounding him up and in. He had two really bad at-bats to start the game. Finally delivers that RBI single that he punches over the infielder's head. Um, So he does deliver an RBI hit on the day, but I want to see what Andres Jimenez could have done in the sixth hole in this game, right? Instead, Ernie Clement and Oscar Mercado, Mercado looked terrible swinging the bat, just terrible. Clement had some hard hit balls, but couldn't deliver anything on the day. Um, Yeah, again, he sells out against a lefty. Mercado's days have to be numbered. It's getting as bad. It's getting as rough as Yu Chang was earlier in the season. Uh, His days just have to be numbered. Uh, When Reyes comes back, Mercado, DFAing Mercado has to be the decision. It has to be. You can't send Gonzalez or Palacios back down. Mercado is the clear decision here. I know you sacrifice a little bit of outfield defense there, 
But these young guys can play, and you got to let them play. And you got to find out what kind of defenders they are in the eighth and ninth inning. So we'll see what happens. Please give Andres Jimenez another chance against a left-handed pitcher. Please give this guy a chance to play every day. Especially on the national broadcast, we don't get one of our potential All-Stars. How's anybody going to vote for him for the All-Star game if he's not out there on a national broadcast? Come on. we got to get this guy into the All-Star game. He's the best second baseman in in the American League right now. We've got to get him in the All-Star game. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Guardian 6, the Athletics 3. We'll be back. We're off. So we'll be back on Wednesday morning to talk about this Colorado series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>